What is up, ladies and gentlemen? We're back with another episode of the Slap at Me Wrestling Podcast. I'm We Too Deep, and uh, let's let's uh, let's dive on in. And just like always, ladies and gentlemen, if you've watched this or listened to this before, I do appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, um, as well as a, li- a thumbs up, a like, and some comments. Get us through the 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 algorithm. If you're listening on podcast networks, we do also um, appreciate that. Please leave us a review. Um, also follow and subscribe there. That way you're um, posted uh, or up to date with all the new episodes. When I uh, post a new episode, uh, that'll go straight to your feed for you to listen to. Turn on notifications there as well. and You'll get notifications every time an episode is posted. Um uh, all right, so this episode's going to be um, formatted a little bit differently than, than than how I normally would do an episode like this. Normally, there's like two or three news issues that I sort of spend some time on, and then we'll go do the community stuff, right? Um, I got one thing. We got the main thing. We got one thing we're talking about, and then we'll go to the community for some questions, right? If you could tell by the title, what makes a good match of the year? That's the title of the podcast. That's what we're talking about here. I'm going to preface this podcast. I'm going to preface this episode with saying this, the following statement. None of what I'm about to say is directed towards any one particular person. Um... I am a person who who tries to be consistent upon any decision or any opinion that I have. Everybody has the right to their own opinion, especially when it comes to uh, to wrestling. Right? Everyone has their opinion. Um, they have the right to have their opinion. Everybody's opinion is valid. However. Um, I'm going to say some things here that I I believe are consistent with how I view the, the, the the product, but it may, I'm coming for the casual fans, right? I want to remain consistent. I've done enough episodes coming after the hardcore fans. I got some things I got to say to the casuals. I do. If you've listened to my, what I call the bonus episode, because it's not, it wasn't an official numbered episode it's not on youtube it's only on podcast networks it's called something along the lines of like what makes you a casual fan right i believe that fandom is a spectrum right and i gave the example in that episode um the farther left you get are the more hardcore and you have your extreme you know what i would call the extreme left side of the wrestling fandom that are your extreme hardcore marks and then on the extreme right will be the the sort of super casuals who have zero knowledge about the business and really just 
channel flip. Those are your channel flippers, right? The extreme far right of the spectrum. Um, I do enough episodes here where I feel I come after the left side of that spectrum. I stand in the middle. I'm I have a foot I have a foot on each side of the line in in terms of my fandom because I've been a hardcore fan and I feel like at times I I'm a little bit more hardcore than I am casual. But I also see I also see wrestling from a casual lens in that to me it's just a TV show doesn't really make that big of a deal what happens um on the screen and on the TV show. I'm not going to necessarily uh it's not going to kill me if my favorites lose or win or whatever. Right. And so I, I do a lot of episodes. You can go back through that. This is episode 112. If you check the previous 111 episodes, I do a lot of episodes coming after the hardcore wrestling fan. I think it's, I, I think it's time to be consistent and come after and, and none of it's meant to start a war or anything. It's, Come after the casual fan just a little bit. Because I, I what I care about is consistency, right? I don't care if people like me, right? The y'all, y'all, season three is going to be a little bit different. And season three hasn't started yet. That starts in January. But we, you're going to get a little bit of a, a pre-taste. The end of season two, the beginning of season three, y'all going to get a different me in the terms of, it could be super easy for me to sit here and market myself as, to the casual fans. But that's not the main people who are listening to wrestling podcasts. Right? It, it, but, but to the ones who do, I could sit here and, and 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 name myself like the voice of the casual community who comes out and spits and speaks these these truths to the IWC and we're going to declare I don't care about all that. I I don't care about that. Right. I don't care how you feel about me. I don't care if you listen to the show. I like if you listen to the show, you enjoy it. I want you here. What I want to create is a di- an open dialogue, an exchange of an opinion. Right. That's what this episode is. This is me sort of voicing. In a public uh, sector, my uh, opinion and it's really a rebuttal to a, a larger opinion that I've seen through multiple different uh, people and, and places. Um, so it's not calling any individual person out. However, it, there is a consistent theme that I've seen in a lot of casual fans that I really think I, I, that I really want to address here. So what makes a match of the year is the question. And I like to, I like to discuss things have discussion and have open dialogue. And the best way to do that is to ask questions, right? Um, whatever you believe about it from a religious perspective, uh, believe about him, whether it's he's a real person, just a character made up. Jesus is an exa- example of how you should answer a question, right? Anytime he was, he asked, he was asked a question. His answer was always a question back, right? He wanted you to examine the question yourself. Not just go to a, a one right. I don't want you to come to me and 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 be like, oh, you're. I'm the uh, the all all knowing. I I don't know half the shit that I'm talking about, right? But I do want to start a conversation. Conversation. I want to create a uh, a discussion around um, 
around these questions that I have and that you, that the community in the discord may have and all of like I want to create this discussion and it's uh, right. And I want it to be two sided, right? I want to be able to speak and then have you speak with me. Like I said, if you're watching on YouTube, leave your questions, leave your opinions on what I'm saying. If you're in the discord and, and that's right. And you're there, let's have that conversation. Um, and so, like I said, I don't care how I don't care how many viewers I get. I don't care how many subscribers I have. I don't care how many followers on TikTok I have. I don't care how many views I get. None of that matters to me. This this has never been something that I want. Like like uh, I have goals. I if if I could, I would. I, this would be my job, absolutely. But at the moment, it's not. And I never. It never really was started out to supposed to be my dad. This was just a place for me to voice my opinion and to create conversation. So we're doing that today. That's exactly what I'm doing. It's right. Um, people can have any opinion they want, but I have a, a policy that I live for with opinions. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one and most of them stink. And, and so when I smell bullshit, I'm calling it out. And whether it's from the IWC, which I, I really think we need to question the way we look at that term. IWC just means internet wrestling community. That's everyone on the internet that is part of the wrestling community. It doesn't matter if you're hardcore or casual. I think we got to be careful how we label these things and not try to segregate ourselves from the, the larger IWC. Um, and so the IWC is the large group. And then you have your subgroups of casual fans, hardcore fans, fans of of, of death, death core wrestling. Like you have your seg, your, your, your smaller groups within, but it's all the IWC, right? Um, but it's only fair that if I call out the hardcore fandom for their bullshit, and there's a lot of it there that I stay consistent and I call out the casuals as well. So I'm coming for everybody. Um, and, and, and we're going to start with the, the main topic today. What is it? that actually makes a match of the year. Now the, the actual answer is a, is again, all it's a hundred percent subjective. It's opinionated, but I believe the best way to, to determine a match of the year, the best way to determine a match of the year is, does it tell a story? Cause what is wrestling? Does it accomplish the goal of the industry? What is wrestling? Wrestling is an entertainment aspect where, where, where you tell stories that revolve around the physical sport of wrestling, right? What is, that is the industry. So it's all about the storytelling. And, and, and the, the opinion that I want to sort of, I hear it and I hear it a lot from multiple different people and I sniff and it smells like bullshit to me. And that opinion is, it can't be match of the year if it's in NXT and it's in front of 5,000 people and it's and the people in the match are 510 and 59. Right? I hear that opinion from multiple people, right? It's sort of a consistent thing from the casual fan. You got to have the Giants and you have to have the right you can't have you can't have the 6 or the the six zero the six foot zero, or the five foot eleven guy 
he's not going to main event WrestleMania. He, he's not going to be the guy that the casual fan. Look, we got to get out of that thinking. First off, we're going to, I, I want to attack the thinking at the premise. The first logical thing to think of is, well, that's a very unfair way to judge matches and to judge the product. Considering that the average male height in the world is, is five foot nine. That's the average male height, right? These aren't superheroes that we're actually dealing with. These are actual people who, who, who are performers. And, and, and if the average height in the world is five, nine, we can expect there to be a lot of five, nine motherfuckers in the industry. It's not fair to the wrestlers, to the performers to sit here and say, Hey man, you put on one hell of a match, man. But you're five foot eleven, so it can't be match of the year, right? And let's just be honest and consistent. This is a very convenient line of thinking. It's very convenient to the to the hardcore casual fans to think this way, because it, it removes NXT and AEW, both products most of them don't watch from the conversation, and it gives them a built-in excuse as to why they don't watch the product, right? The, the things they can say like, um, you know, I can hear them saying, you know, I would watch, but these guys are too small. I would watch, but there's no way that's believable that, that Ilya Dragunov or, or Carmelo Hayes, I mean, they're too small, right? Or I would watch, but MJF, he's 5'11", he's too small, it's not realistic, Right. And we all and casual fans almost get caught up in this idea of they got to be the giants. We're not we're not in the we're not in the 80s anymore. We aren't. We have to modernize with the industry. It's not fair to sit and judge matches solely on the basis of height, because, again, the most logical aspect that you can think of is heights genetic. There's nothing that Carmelo Hayes can do about the fact that he's five foot ten. There's nothing that he can do about that. But there's a difference between five foot ten Carmelo Hayes with the physique of Carmelo Hayes and five foot ten Adam Cole with the physique of Adam Cole. There's a big difference. Carmelo Hayes looks a lot more realistic in the business. There's a difference there. And so we can't. I just I just don't think it's logical or or fair to the competitors to judge their matches and say, you know what? This was a really, really good match, but it can't be a contender for a match of the year because it took place in five in front of five thousand people on NXT or on AEW, and the guys in the match were five foot eleven. That's not fair. That knocks like it, it. I compare it to this. I compare it to these girls on dating apps, who you read through their their their, their Tinder bio, right? You read through their Tinder bio, and it's like uh, they have the uh, <laughs> what's it like the 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 six 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 rule. So you got to be six foot or taller. Got to make six figures or more, and you got to have six inches or more. You do that, like I said, the average height for a, a, a man in the world is 5'9". The average salary in America is $60,000, and the average size of, of male genitalia is 5 inches. So you, you want more than the average, and so you box yourself in 
you box yourself in to things that can't happen, things that are not the norm, right? You box yourself in to something that is unrealistic and really limit, right? And then these same women, they're the same women that walk around saying, oh, where are all the good men at? Where are all the good men at? Where are all the good men at? Why, why does no one like me? Why, why is everyone that I that I that I match with? Why do they only want to use me? Well, maybe, and that's a different conversation for a different time. That's a di- right. But you limit yourself if you if you if you have that strict of standards. What are my standards when it comes to match of the year? Two things. There's two things has to take place at a PLE or pay per view. The only exception to that is is for NXT and AEW. They do like TV specials. So like AEW will run like Blood and Guts. Uh, NXT will run something like they're about to do the two-week Halloween Havoc where where they're technically like PLE-style matches, but they're television specials. They're weekly episodes, right? But it can't happen on an episode of Raw because more than likely that match will have at least one commercial in it to break the flow up, right? You can't – you. I, I will never put a match on Raw – SmackDown or a normal episode of AEW or NXT, I will never put one of them as match of the year. I won't. It's just there's too many commercials. A lot of times the matches aren't meant to be match of the year. They're just there to tell to pers- to push through and continue to add plot points to the storyline. Unless it's AEW, where I mean they may have bangers on AEW, but but on regular television and and I think. I think if that's the case with AEW, I think you have to you have to understand that they're booking different. They're booking for a different audience, so there may be a really good banger match on there. But again, I will never make that my match of the year, right? It's it's very 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 simple how I rate the matches, right? It has to be on a PLE, a special NXT or AEW TV special, or a pay per view, and then the second qual- uh, qualification. You have to advance story. You have to have a story behind the match. There has to be a story that's built as to why I should watch the match. And then a story within the match itself that makes me interested in the match and invested in the match. Right? That's it. That's all you got to do. Because I've, I've always said this. And I can use this 95% of the time in any circumstance you bring up. The, the 90% of the business... I've said this before. I could plaster this on a t-shirt. I probably should. I should probably make a design that says this and put it up on slappingmeatwrestling.com so you guys can buy it. But 90% of the business is booking. 90% of what goes on on your television screen has nothing to do with the actual entertainer's performance but the booking, right? And so a good match that's well-produced and has a good story, it doesn't matter about the individual performers. I've seen dudes enter this business, 6'5", muscular, kit, couldn't hold water in the ring, couldn't, put, couldn't perform in front of nobody, right? It could be a crowd of zero, and it wouldn't matter. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't wrestle a broomstick, but they have, right, but they have charisma, and they're six foot five, and they have what the casual fans want. But, but when they, when you get between the ropes, they can't hold water. And while that's not the most important thing to some people, that has to be very important, especially when you're judging match of the year. Um, 
And so I don't think it's fair. I, I personally don't think it's fair to judge someone and their ability to put on a match of, of the year without or based on their height. I can understand physique, right? Like I said, Adam Cole, 5'9", no muscle mass, marshmallow-ass Adam Cole, sure. You could judge his his matches a little bit differently because, eh, not, real, not really realistic. But then the second thing is to judge it for the brand that it's on. We get so wrapped up as fans, and I do it too, right? I'll call myself out here about viewership and, and numbers and attendance in the arena. We get so wrapped up about that shit. But at the end of the day, that doesn't necessarily matter when you're judging the quality of a match, right? When you're judging match of the year, it shouldn't matter whether it takes place in front of 1,000 or 100,000 people. It shouldn't matter. But you have these people in the casual side of the, the audience who will sit here and be like, ah, man, there's a difference between 5 and 25. I have a question, though. I have a, I'm being petty. I'm being real petty, but I have a legitimate question. If if, if the standard's 25,000 people, right, if that's what we're judging people on, if that's sort of the number we're looking at, that it has to be 25,000 or more for it to, to count as a match of the year quality match, because WWE doesn't run 25,000 seats every pre premium live event. That's that's your summer slams, which, which they run 50 to 60 if that they run about 25, 30,000 for SummerSlam, right? They run about 60 to 70 for most WrestleManias, right? Royal Rumble would probably 25 to 30, right? So, so, so the only pay per views that are getting 25,000 people are the big four. So, what you're listen to what they're limiting their matches to it has to take place on a big four pay per view in WWE with, with at least one of the wrestlers, six, two or more. That's very limited in, in today's industry. You limit the hell out of right? And, 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 and it almost devalues. It devalues NXT. It devalues anyone under 6'2 in the work that they put in. It devalues NXT and AEW. And it essentially just says, I'm just going to focus on the big four. These are the only, right? And it's no different. Y'all going to hate me for this one. It's no different. Then Dave Meltzer and how he gives out his star system. It's no different. I smell the same amount of bullshit in both in both cases. Dave Meltzer can come out here and say Ilya Dragunov and, and Carmelo Hayes. I think he gave them 4.25 stars, which I thought was a good rating, right? But Dave Meltzer can come over here, never give Kurt Angle a five-star match ever. Never gave Daniel Bryan a five-star match in WWE, but the second he hit AEW, he finally got his first five-star match, right? Because he, he, he panders to an audience who reads his magazines. And look, that's fine. If it pays the bill, Dave, do what, it, do what it needs to do. But let's just be honest. He's pandering. But I feel that this type of, of reaction, it could be a legitimate belief system, but I feel like it's almost pandering to, a, to the casual listener to sit here and say these things because a lot of people will agree with you. I don't care. Like I said, at the, at the jump of this, I don't give a fuck about none of that. I really don't. I don't care about all of that. Whoever listens to me is going to listen to me. And, and, and that's fine. Y'all don't have to agree with me. That's the, that's the fun part of living in a society that allows free speech. 
is I can say this and all of y'all can hate it. And that's fine, right? That's fine, right? And so uh, judging, uh, oh, it's, it happened at NXT. It can't be. It can't be the main uh, the, the match of the year. It happened in AEW. Now, I want to go through. I want to go through. I, I always use this. I have um, 17 or 18. I, I'm not going to recount them here. But I'm going to go through every single one of the matches on my potential match of the year candidate list. You can see it right here. That's potential match of the year, right? I'm not making up a, just a random list. This isn't something that, that – what I've done is from, from January till now, I have purposely kept the list of every match that I thought was match of the year worthy, right? And so we start with Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at Elimination Chamber. We move down same month. Uh, I may be a little biased with this one. This definitely will not win the award, but I think it should be a candidate. Um, it's the Fatal 4-Way Tag Team Match for at NXT Vengeance Day. A little biased because I was in the arena, but Chase U versus New Day versus Gallus versus Pretty Deadly, that was a banger of a fucking match. We also had a banger there with Jack and Wesley that didn't quite, to me, make Match of the Year candidacy. Right? We move on. Hey, guess what, guys? I broke I broke the, the casual fans' uh if, if, if putting an NXT match on this list didn't break it, I'm about to break again their, their standards, right? Because I, I got I got an AEW match on this list. It's, it's, Rev, it's from Revolution. It's the only pay-per-view I've seen from AEW this year. MJF versus Brian Danielson. What a fucking match that was. What a fucking match that was. We, we then move on to WrestleMania. I have four matches from WrestleMania on... On my list, Seth Seth versus Logan Paul, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, and Gunther, and then R Roman and Cody. I thought all three of all four of those matches were very good matches and potential match of the year candidates. Now, ultimately, probably none of them are going to win it, right? But let's continue going down. You know, I mentioned like the, the, the TV specials for NXT, Spring Break-In was one of them. Carmelo Hayes versus Grayson Waller deserves to be look at, looked at as a potential match of the year. I then go down to Backlash, right? We're still in April at this point. Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest. Th that's a potential match of the year. I then move down to Battleground, Dijak versus Ilya Dragunov. There's sort of this idea that the statement spoken that, oh, Dragunov can't stand to Lesnar and, 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 and McIntyre and, 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 and Brock and Roman. He can't, st he can't stand up. Nevertheless, it, it forgets the fact that in NXT UK, he beat the living shit out of Gunther to win the UK title in a match that may, might go down as the best match of 2020 and the best match of NXT UK ever. It, it doesn't take into that consideration, but just this year alone, Dragunov fought Dijak. Dragunov fought Braun Breaker. Dragunov fought uh, Trick Williams and had put on fantastic matches. None of them were – Dijak's was match of the year worthy. I don't think Braun's and Trick Williams were because they were TV-style matches. Right, we then move on to Gold Rush, NXT Gold Rush. And, and again, it's another another tag team match. Uh, Malik Blade, Edris Anafe, I think is his name, 
uh, versus Hank and Tank versus Briggs and Jensen and attacked the fatal three-way or triple threat to, I think, determine who got a, a title opportunity. Um, right? And then we go down to Payback, where Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus was match of the year to me. And then we go again at Payback, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Balor and Priest. That's a, a good contender. And then I have Carmelo Hayes versus Ilya Dragunov. And I'm still leaning on, still deciding if I want to put Tiffany Stratton and Becky Lynch on that list. Right? That, that, that I'm opening, I, I named my list to you. Name one of those matches that don't deserve to be at least considered for match of the year. At least considered. But, but if you take a look at, at that, one, two, three, four, five, six, six of those matches in the, in the casual perspective would be automatically eliminated and not even allowed to be considered to be match of the year because there's, there's less than 25,000. No one in that match is, is six, six foot, right? You, because they're, they're, they're standard for judging. And again, you can have your opinion. This is just me calling out, Hey, your standards are a little too strict. But then I got a little bit more petty in my notes here. I got a little petty here because because this idea that you have to be, you know, and this this sort of that we've had this conversation in the discord. Right. And I'll be plain and honest with you. We had this conversation in the discord and, and the standard was sort of used of like, oh, well, those guys are smaller than the Miz. Well, the Miz is six foot two. All right. So if that's the standard we're using. I'm going to be petty. I'm going to be petty for, for a little bit here. And, and, and I, I wanted to take a look at some superstars here, some wrestlers, WWE, and then one from a AEW, right? People who have been, you know, so, so the one AEW guy is, is one the casual fans love to cheer for, MJF. MJF isn't 6'2". He's 5'11". He can't main event WrestleMania. I think he has the talent to main event WrestleMania with the with the with a with enough build in in the storyline. I think MJF is a fantastic superstar. But now let's focus on the rest that are in WWE. Braun Breaker, six foot zero. You're not going to tell me that he can't be a threat to Roman Reigns. You're just not going to convince me of that. I think if if there's if there's a proper story, shit. Six months ago, maybe even less than that, when when there was a tease that that uh, Paul Heyman may be leaving the bloodline, I, I went out and, and mentioned the idea of what if, what if Paul Heyman recognizing that the bloodline's crumbling goes and finds himself a new, a new client, and that's Braun Breaker, and Braun Breaker's the one that beats Roman Reigns, and 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 I, I proposed that idea, and people were like, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But now we're just going to not even say he can compete with Roman Reigns because he's six foot and hasn't competed in front of 25,000 people before. That's insane. Braun Breaker's that dude. Right? I already talked about MJF. Kevin Owens, also six foot. So are, are we just going to then cancel out the fact that uh, Kevin Owens fought Roman Reigns and, and put on a pretty decent match at Royal Rumble this year? We're just going to forget about that? Was it match of the year quality? No, just because the quality of the match wasn't there. But are we just going to not allow Kevin Owens to be match of the year because he's six foot? 
I'm being petty. I get it. Y'all not going to like this name either. Chris Benoit in his prime. You're going to tell me that Chris Benoit wasn't a top five wrestler in this industry, putting on banger matches. He's 5'11". He was 5'11". I got a joke I can make, but I'm not going to do it. Ah, fuck it. I'm doing it. He was fucking like seven foot on the day. he. I'm, I'm, mm. Go ahead and cancel me. Go ahead and cancel me. Go ahead and cancel me. It's all right. It is what it is. <laughs> Chris Jericho. Everyone loves Chris Jericho in the Attitude Era. He's only 6'1". Daniel Bryan, 5'10". These next two are really big. Like These were the first two that I searched because these are people that people in both sides love. Eddie Guerrero is five, with 5'8". Five smaller than Carmelo, smaller than Dragunov. Eddie Guerrero's 5'8". You're going to tell me he can't main event WrestleMania and have match of the year? You're going to sit here and listen, right? I need y'all to do me a favor. If you haven't watched this match, I understand I'm talking to a lot of casual fans, but I hope there's some people who, who, who I, I think, I think casual fans are stubborn to try to learn things about the business because they feel that it'll make them too hardcore. Do yourself a favor. Go watch Elia Dragunov and, and Gunther from 2020 NXT UK. Watch it. It's on, I'm pretty sure the full match is on YouTube right now. If not, it's on Peacock. Do yourself a favor. Go to Peacock. Go to the WCW section. Look up Halloween Havoc 1997. You don't have to watch the whole pay-per-view. It's, it's pretty decent. But do me one favor. Go to that pay-per-view and skip to Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, Halloween Havoc 1997. To me, the best match of all time. The match of the year in 1997. No fucking doubt about it. You're going to sit here and tell me Eddie Guerrero can't put on match of the year quality matches because he's 5'8", that no one's going to believe in Eddie Guerrero? Come on. Again, I know I get it. I'm being petty, but come on. And then Kurt Angle. At one point, Kurt Angle was ranked the best wrestler according to Dave Meltzer. And I would actually agree with that. At that year, he was probably Kurt Angle was one of the best sports entertainer wrestlers, whatever you want to fucking call it, on this planet. He was only six foot. You're gonna tell me none of his matches were match of the year because he's he's under this sort of standard. And again, I get it. I'm being petty, right? But but what I'll hear is this. What I'll hear is that this would be the the, the response. Oh. Daniel Bryan, Chris Benoit, Kevin Owens, MJF, Braun Breaker, all of these guys that I just named, they got over because of the stories they were in. And I can't wait to get that response. I love getting that response. You know why? Bingo, buddy. That's because storytelling is more important than body size. You just played yourself. Because it is more important about the storytelling and the the, the, the the plot leading to the match than their body size. You can believe me or not, or not. I think it's a, right, I think it's a slap in the face to Carmelo Hayes and the work that he's put in. I think it's a smack in the face to Ilya Dragunov, who, in my opinion, is the second best wrestler on the planet right now. 
with Gunther being number one. Let me finish the, the top three, right? Let me finish the list. Gunther's one, Dragunov is two, and, and y'all going to hate this one. Will Ospreay is the third best wrestler on this planet. When you, when he gets between the ropes, he puts on magic. Does he drop people on their head? Do I hate his finisher? Absolutely. Absolutely, I do. But but I think he can work in WWE. A lot of, ca a lot of casual fans don't. I think Will Ospreay works in WWE. If he's given good storylines and a good way to build himself, I think Will Ospreay will do just fine here. I actually think Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, as much as I don't like them, I think they would be just fine in WWE. They may be mid-card, but, but they, that, that's where they're at right now. Like if we're actually, if we can break away from trying to hate the hardcore fans, if we can break away from the sort of like tribalism within Oh, I'm a casual fan, so I can't go and enjoy the things the hardcore fans are enjoying because that'll make me hardcore. If we can get over that and just sit here and enjoy the, the, the shit, right? Yeah, we could call out stupid shit. Will Ospreay dropping Kenny Omega on his head was stupid. Darby Allen getting dropped on stairs was stupid. Logan Paul and Ricochet jumping and doing that spot at, at uh, what was it, Money in the Bank? Whatever the fuck it was, that was stupid. If, but, but we could still come together and be like, you know what? MJF's a good performer. Daniel Bryan's a good performer. Will Ospreay's a good performer. And instead of saying, I don't know this person, why don't we just look them up? It takes 30 seconds. It takes 30 seconds to not make yourself look ignorant and just look something up than just making a declarative statement. That, 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 look. That, that's how I feel, right? I didn't know who the hell Ijo, um, Ijo de la Vaquino or whatever the fuck. Vaquino, son of Viking, son of the Viking is what it means in English. Uh, I didn't have no idea who the fuck he was. But he was, he was, you know, the last three years he's been ranked in the top 10 wrestlers of the year. Granted, I don't take that, that list for, for shit. I understand what that the PWI list is. It's a it's a kayfabe list based on if 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 wrestling was was real and wasn't scripted. It's it's just a who was booked better list, right? But I, I had no idea who he was. So you know what I did? I, I researched him not because I not because I wanted to watch him, but because I wanted to see you know it, before I overreact about him being on the list. Is he good? Is he not? Right? Is he good or is he not? So I just, at the end of the day, if, 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 if you give me a good story and the performers give me 110% and put on a banger match, why can't it not be considered match of the year? Why do we got to sort of section it off and say, uh, NXT's less than Raw and smack that, right? Because it'll, it, it, it will get comparisons. It'll be compared to, you know, oh, it's like playing Division Three football. It's like playing in the WNBA. First off, not only is that disrespectful to, to the wrestlers, now you're disrespecting the WNBA. Is the WNBA ever going to be on the level and caliber of the NBA? No. Right? But secondly, why do we always got to compare it to sports? Because it's two separate industries. Right? NXT is the best wrestling product on the planet. It just doesn't get seen because by the mainstream audience, 
But WWE, if, if, if we could be patient for just a little bit, WWE is definitely making a concerted effort to market NXT to the mainstream audience. It just hasn't come over yet because they haven't done it until here recently. And we just got to let them do that. We got to let them build the audience up. I'm a thousand percent certain. I don't make guarantees often, but I'm a thousand percent certain. If you make a, a a very good build, you know what? And I have a, I have a, well, well, I have a, uh, I guess like a fantasy booking thing to, to say here. I don't know if there's a question we have about it on here from the community question. So I don't want to speak about it. I don't think I have a question about it. Um, but, but there's rumors of like CM Punk potentially coming to NXT. You know what, you know what would really build the NXT audience? If CM Punk was a main fit, like it was a mainstay full-time NXT wrestler where he got to just be in NXT and he didn't, he doesn't have to do anything special, but if he's just there, that'll get people to watch. Right? And I think that'll work. You got to give... You, but, but, you, but if you watch NXT, I'm telling you, NXT is the only show that if I can't watch live, and a lot of times I can't watch live because I'm recording the episode while NXT is running, Right? And so I record it. It's the only sh- like like if I was recording this during Raw right now, I would not record Raw because I don't give two shits about Raw half the time. I wouldn't record SmackDown. I just don't care about it. NXT is the best product on the market right now for wrestling. You can you can you can deny it all you want. That's 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 just how I feel. All right, now that I got now I got myself out of my feelings. And I was petty for just a little bit. Let's let's move into these community questions. Uh, so we got three sent in by DJ Wavy D, good friend of the show. We appreciate all the the hard work that he sends in, sending us topics. He doesn't, you know, he gives us three or four a week every now, right? Every episode, we love it. I love these questions. And he always here's the thing about. Let me just shout him out again. His questions are things that I don't ever think about. Well, I'll take that back. Topic one that he gave in was something that I've I've mentioned before. But like topic two, I would have never even thought to talk about this. Topic three, would have never thought to talk about this, right? He gives very good questions about, about wrestling that I just don't even think about. And they're very good questions. Uh, then B Master sent in one, two, three, four four topics uh and so we'll do his four last we'll start with dj wavy d's because it's the order of how i received them so topic one given what we know about edges or adam copeland's contract don't want to get uh don't want to get cease and desist by wwe i don't know if you guys saw this but during the 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 scrum the little media scrum that aew did uh was it mjf I think it was MJF who who called him Edge, and Tony Khan was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Because Tony Khan knows that that shit's copyrighted, and WWE is gonna be petty and hit him with the lawsuit. I don't think they will, to be honest with you. But, um, but given what we know about Edge's contract and when it ended, and and it, it's pretty obvious Tony Khan and AEW tampered with Edge. Uh, what are your thoughts on wrestling companies tampering? Um. Or let me read this correctly. Let me learn to read. This is the North Carolina education system. We're ranked 48th for a reason. Uh, 
What are your thoughts on the companies tampering with other companies' contracted wrestlers? So first things first. I don't know if I don't know if tampering actually exists in wrestling. I have I have two sides of my response. So the first side is I don't know if tampering exists in professional wrestling. Are the contracts public knowledge as they are in football? No. no. Right. So in, in the NFL, I can go right now and look up when does X player, when does his contract end and how much he's getting paid. I can look that up right now. It is public knowledge. For the most part, I don't think wrestling contracts are are public knowledge. Right. I don't think Tony Khan can go and look and see when AJ Styles contract ends on the Internet. Right. So I don't think tampering exists in that in that way. What I assume WWE has done to NXT or to, to excuse me, but WWE has done to AEW talent and what AEW has done to WWE talent is just sort of reached out and, and said, Hey, we're interested in and, and bring you in. We just need to know when your contract ends and then maybe talk some financials, but I don't think that's tampering. Um, I think that's just, Hey, Hey, Adam, uh, when does your contract end? What's the official end date? And what would it take to get you to AEW? I think that's how the conversation goes. I don't consider that tampering. However, on this issue, here's the second side. If Tony Khan is going to sit here and cry because Vince McMahon may have called some of his talent who were under contract and to see when their contract ended. Like I'm assuming have had this style of conversation. First off, it's a practice that has happened in the business forever. So I don't think, I don't think most promoters actually care, but Tony Khan made a public outcry. He cried in public basically saying, I'm not going to take this shit. <laughs> Looking like a little baby. And then he's going to turn around and just quite honestly do the same fucking thing. That's the same thing. So what I while I don't think tampering exists, what I don't like is the is AEW ownership and AEW fans condoning when Edge gets tampered with while he's under contract with WWE, but condemning WWE for contract contacting contracted superstars for AEW. You can't have it both ways. So I hope that I hope that answers that question. Question two. See, this is these are the type of questions that I that I that I like that Wavy D sends. With it appearing that Indy Hartwell is now healthy and about to come back to action, given what we've seen in the Becky Lynch backstage segment, where do you think that she fits in the women's roster? This is going to make me sh- sort of scratch my head here for a minute. This. I'll answer it with this. She's a mid-card on Raw right now, especially with the news of of Jade potentially going to Raw, but there's a question about Jade here in a minute, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, With her being on Raw, with her being on a roster, um, let's assume Jade's going to Raw. So what's what's that roster going to look like? Rhea Ripley, Jade Cargill, Raquel Rodriguez, Shayna Baszler, Liv Morgan, Indy Hartwell, Nia Jax, that's a pretty deep roster. That's a pretty deep roster for Indy to try to build her way up to. This is why WWE needs a mid-card woman's title. 
because that fits perfectly for Indy Hartwell. Where do I think she ultimately fits? I think she would benefit very well going back to NXT. I'm not even joking. I think she fits very well going back to, to NXT. I think she could win that title back from Becky. Title she never lost. She had to give it up because she was hurt. Right? I think she fits very well winning that title back from Becky and running in NXT for a few months, if not full-time. I don't think there's necessarily a reason for her on Raw right now. There's just no place for her on Raw. And, again, you we look at SmackDown's roster, Asuka, Io Sky, Bayley, Dakota Kai, Charlotte, Bianca. Um, that's Shotzi. It's deep as well. So where where do you fit in Indy Hartwell? Well, it has to be NXT. It has to be NXT. But th this right here, this this question brings up the reason why WWE needs mid-card title belts for their women's division on each show. Raw, SmackDown, and I'm even considering NXT because NXT's women's division is pretty deep. You got Tiffany, uh, Lyra Vaccaria, um, Fallon Henley, Kiana James, Gigi Jolin, JC Jane, Thea Hale, uh, Blair Davenport. And that's not even taking into uh, consideration Nikita Lyons and Sol Ruka are on the bench. And then you're about to do this breakout tournament, which is going to create Lola Vice as a superstar, going to create Kalani Jordan probably as a superstar. You got Electra Lopez down there that's, that's a potential star in the making you got uh jacar jackson and last legend there's so many women on this roster and no places right and so even sending her to nxt she'd fit better she'd have more sort of programming on nxt but i think adding a main or mid-card women's belt on nxt on raw and on smackdown benefits the company benefits the brand and benefits the women Right, this is gonna be it, it's that women's division so deep. I don't really know where Indy Hartwell fits if it's not winning the title back from Becky. All right, so his third topic is, and, and, I, and I like the way he words this. He says, "I assume you are a man of great acquisite taste in women." I'd like to think myself as one. He's, uh, "What are your thoughts on Jay Uso flirting with Rhea to get under Dom's skin?" How would you book a love triangle story program with Ray, Dom, and Jay? I don't even know where to start with this one. Um, I honestly, I really, I really don't know where to where I would take a love triangle storyline for. I really hope what happens is just Dom loses tonight when I'm recording on it during NXT. He can't go back to Judgment Day, and Rhea just sort of breaks up with Dom, right? And then Jay Jay's able to, to sort of – I don't think he joins Judgment Day, but he's sort of going to start teasing Rhea and, and ultimately make John, Dom jealous. I really – I'd probably have to sit down a lot longer than the five hours that I had since this question's been asked. I think it's even been less than that. I think it's only been three hours since the question was that. haven't really thought about it that long. Uh I'm sure there's a story somewhere in there. I don't necessarily know if this is the direction I would like it to go. Um, 
I just I feel like I've seen this before, where you know with Ziggler and and uh, Lana and Rusev, and then what didn't Lana wasn't Lana in a storyline with Lashley at one point? Like I feel like I've seen this sort of like love triangle story before. I don't necessarily think it's needed, uh, and so. Yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see where it goes. I'm not the best at booking these these type of angles. Um, and a lot of times I'm wrong anyway. So it is what it is, right? But again, thank you for the questions, Wavy D. Some good questions there. Keep them coming. Uh, and so then we'll go into B-Master's questions. Uh, the... The first of which is instead of having a premier live event every month, why don't why does WWE not just stick to the big four? Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. Um, and do you think it's worth having the B type PLEs? So first off, I agree. Just stick with the big four, right? That's one of the things I thought AEW did it did better was their pay per view schedule. Please listen to me. There is no reason in the world for WWE to have a premier live event every month. There's just no reason in the world for that to happen. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and uh, SummerSlam. That's all you need, right? And take away... But, but here's the problem with, with Royal Rumble, though. It's just a gimmick pay-per-view. Only matches people care about that are the Royal Rumble matches. So I would even consider getting rid of that still having some sort of pay-per-view that has the Royal Rumble match in it. Um, but WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, I guess you can keep Royal Rumble. That's fine, right? But those are the only ones you need. We don't need it, right? Money in the Bank can be a WrestleMania match like it used to be. Extreme Rules doesn't need to be its own pay-per-view, right? The only thing I would add is you, you keep the two Saudi shows a year. So you would have six a year. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania... The first Saudi show, which is was Clash of the uh, Clash uh, of Champions. I think you keep that name. That's fun. Um, so Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Clash of Champions, SummerSlam, um, Crown Jewel, and then Survivor Series. Six shows is perfectly fine. And you have two in Saudi. WrestleMania should be one of the shows on American soil. As with Royal Rumble, as with SummerSlam, and I think Royal Rumble and Survivor Series can be shows that you can take um, international. Like, imagine Survivor Series. You know, I can see that taking place in in a London or in Germany or in Mexico or in Puerto Rico or Royal Rumble, right? Royal Rumble taking place in a different country. That that would be fun. Right, SummerSlam should probably stay in America. WrestleMania should definitely stay in America. Um, I don't necessarily because the majority of your audience for your biggest show should be in the American. That, that's just my my take on it. But no, there's no reason to have an Extreme Rules or a Hell in a Cell or a Payback or a Fast. These don't really. They, they we, there's no reason for them. We don't need them. Four pay per views, six pay per views a year. That's fine. Uh. His second question, why does WWE not do video packages on new wrestlers anymore? <laughs> My response when I read this question was, the hell if I know. But it's a good question. It brings up a good point. WWE, anytime you used to debut or return, a, or any, really just debut a new superstar, 
if you wanted me to take them serious, you would you would you would build this sort of like exquisite package to sort of present them. And it really doesn't seem like that happens anymore. I think that's just because I'll be honest with you, a lot of the wrestling audience already knows a lot of these people from the independents. But let me tell you like where they do this best. NXT does this, right? The package for what's now been confirmed by USA Network is Brian Pillman. That got me excited. Now, you could tell exactly who it was because it had the Bengals. That's his favorite team. He's from Cincinnati. It showed WCW. That's where his dad worked for the most part of his career, right? You could tell it was Brian Pillman just very easily. Um, but that got me excited because, oh, there's a new guy coming. And, and it told me a little bit enough, enough for me to know about him to be excited for him to come to, to WWE, right? So I wish, yeah, you're right. They should do these exquisite packages a lot more. Uh, his next question. Seems like they are strapping the rocket to Jade's back. Uh, do you think this is a good idea? Should they start her out slowly in NXT so she doesn't fizzle out? I think if, if your question is, should they start her in a NXT so that she can develop? I, I'm disagreeing with that wholeheartedly. But this goes back to my concept of NXT is not developmental. NXT is a third brand. You can believe it or not, but that is, that is the truth. NXT is a third brand. It isn't developmental. Developmental happens in the Performance Center. That is why Jade Cargill signed and reported to the Performance Center. With all of us knowing she was going to go to the main roster, she, she went to the Performance Center. That's why the tryouts happened in the Performance Center. All of the, like Brian Pillman signed like a month and a half ago. You know where he's been the last month and a half? The Performance Center. You know who else can go to the Performance Center? Anyone on Raw or SmackDown. Becky Lynch has shown up there. Randy Orton's been seen there coming back from this injury. The Performance Center is there for you to work out and, and to w wrestle in. It's something Tony Khan should highly invest in. Right, the performance center isn't just for new trainees. That's what a lot of it is used for, because a lot of the other people are on the road all the time. But if if you're near Orlando, they say you're wrestling in Tampa that night. Why not go get a workout in at the performance center? Everyone has access to it. If you're a WWE employee, why not? Right. So if your I if your question is should they start her in NXT so that they can develop her. I disagree with that notion. If if it's let's put her in NXT to get eyes on NXT, that is why I would that that is personally why I want her in NXT. Imagine she shows up and makes Becky Lynch her first target and beats Becky Lynch and becomes NXT women's champion. Something AEW was afraid to pull the trigger on was making her the champion of a brand. Right? And 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 what if what if WWE does that on her first night there, and she can hold NXT and have a dominant run in NXT, right? I think that would benefit her. But do I like her coming to Raw? Yes, I think it works. Now I'm trying to work look at what's the big picture for going to Raw because the people I want her to wrestle Charlotte Bianca they're on. Like the dream match of her and Rhea, that's like the bottom of my list. I just, I don't really necessarily want her with Rhea right now. Not, not right now. Like Bianca's the match that I want, her and Bianca, and then her and Charlotte. Those are the only two matches that I really want 
from Jade Cargill. And so to put her on Raw, it was a little bit weird to me. I assumed with her being sort of the big money signing that she would go to SmackDown, that, that Vince McMahon would want to, to put her on SmackDown. But her going to Raw, it seems like they're going to strap the strap a rocket to her. I think it's fine. I think she can handle it. I, I think I think Tony Khan did not want her as, as women's champion and really held her down. I think Jade was a lot better than her fa- than the AEW fans give her credit for. It. Um, and again, she has a performance center. She's been at the performance center for two weeks now, or going on two weeks. And I, I mean, you can you can get better in two weeks. You can learn the system in two weeks at WWE if you're if you're good enough, and 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 take time to learn, right? And I'm sure they're not going to give her something. It's going to make her look bad. I'm 100% positive of that, right? And then his last question, and where we'll end with the community questions. What are your top three wrestling moments, um, anytime, any promotion? So I'm going to take this as top three moments for wrestling. These aren't going to be, you know, necessarily something that I've seen or necessarily something that I, that I was able to enjoy. Um, the, the first one, and what I think is the, the most important moment in wrestling history, in professional wrestling history, the most important moment, and, and, and the reason it's the most important moment is without this moment, I don't think the industry survives, at least in, in the way we know it today. And that is Madison Square Garden, 1984, Iron Sheik versus Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan wins the, 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 the world championship, and Hulkamania starts. Without that moment, wrestling the way we know it today does not happen. The business might even be dead, right? You can you can hate Terry Balea as a person all you want, but that moment changed the the, the course for wrestling. Without Hulk Hogan, we don't get the Attitude Era. We don't get wrestling the way we 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 love right now we we just don't have it tv wrestling dies out wrestling goes back to the territory days which was dying out in and of itself and 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 i don't think the business survives so i believe that's the most important uh moment in all of wrestling history hogan winning the wwe championship from chic 1984 i know it's january i think it's january 27th i could be wrong i know it's january 1984 in madison square garden it's like a five-minute match, but it was a banger of a match in and of itself. Big moment. Um, all right. And so my number two wrestling moment, I'm going to say Undertaker streak ending. And I'm going to say it was a big moment because the streak ended, but also the wrong person ended the streak. Brock Lesnar should have not been the one to end the streak. I think if they wanted to end the streak at that time, wait a year, let Bray Wyatt do it. That, that's, that's been my feeling ever since WrestleMania 31. When the streak ended, I was okay. I was surprised. I was a little sad, but I was okay with the streak ending because I, I was like, oh, the streak ended, he's going to retire. Then he comes back and WrestleMania 31 happens. And he beats Bray Wyatt. And I'm sitting here, what's the fucking point of losing the streak, right? They should have had him beat Brock Lesnar. 
That wouldn't have hurt Brock Lesnar at all. He should have beat Brock Lesnar. Gone on and lost to Bray Wyatt. Put over Bray Wyatt. Have him retire. Or if they didn't want it to be Bray Wyatt, he should have retired at WrestleMania 33 after Roman beat him and have Roman beat the streak. So that's how I feel about it. But I do think the fact that the streak ended at WrestleMania 30, um, that's a top three moment to me. And then number three, as much as we hate it, and as much trouble as as and, and drama has been in the industry for the last four four years, going on five years, the creation of AEW, um, I think has to be considered at least in my lifetime a top moment in wrestling. Not anything from the, but just the fact that the company started, because for the last twenty years leading up to the creation of of uh, AEW, WWE had a, a guaranteed monopoly on the business. Sure, there was TNA. Technically, there was competition. But TNA Impact was never going to do anywhere close to the numbers WWE was going to to be considered an actual liable threat. And New Japan just didn't have the American audience. What, what uh, AEW has done is present new japan to the american audience and um created some sort of competition whether it's whether you know AEW fans will consider it an alternative i still consider it competition because that's what it is it uh it it created competition for wwe which benefits not only the fans but wwe because that that forced wwe to to to, to get the cruise control off if y'all remember wwe booking from i would say 20 2016 to 2019 was really bad it, it they just put it in cruise control and it was very bad booking i know a lot of fans who almost quit watching wrestling because of how bad right so aw in terms of getting more people interested into the business and creating competition for WWE to take off the cruise control has to be a top three moment, I believe. So Hogan winning, um, Hogan winning, the streak ending, and then the creation of AEW. And so that's a question that I want everyone to answer. Anytime, any promotion, top three moment in wrestling. Interpret the question however you want. You can interpret it the way I did. You can interpret it your top three moments, your favorite moments, right? If we're going to go my favorite three moments, let me go ahead and answer that, right? What are my favorite three things? Um, the Hardys returning at WrestleMania 33 while I'm there live, top moment for me. Um, uh, trying to think of what else. Dolph Ziggler cashing in money in the bank. And then Daniel Bryan winning at WrestleMania 30. Um, I think those would be my top favorite moments in wrestling that I've physically been able to see. But the other three that I named Hogan winning, the streak ending, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, AEW being created, I feel in terms of wrestling itself, those are three top moments right there. Let me know what you guys think. All right, so now we're going to end 
end this uh, this this episode. Um, with we're going to end it with the male wrestler bracket. But I just opened my phone to pull up the 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 four matchups that I'm running because I forgot them, and I forgot that I say the Impact released uh released a a football themed photo shoot, and y'all Impact's got some talent down there. Right, they they really do. I wish they were on TV. I'd watch the I'd watch the hell out of it. I love Impact, but I'm not going to pay to watch televised program, right? Um, or YouTube TV. Just get Access TV, please. Please, please. Uh, yeah. If you remember a couple episodes ago, um, I was asked by DJ Wavy D like who would be like a wrestler that I would love to date. Or have like a romantic date with. And I said Deanna Perrazzo. Yo, I love me some Deanna Perrazzo. And part of my reasoning was she was a Patriots fan. Well, she's part of this photo shoot. And I'm going to show you this picture. Because I'm, 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 I marked out a little bit. I fucking uh, fan, fanboyed a little bit when I saw this. Y'all can't tell me. Y'all don't find her attractive. And WWE... I need you to bring her back to, 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 to the company. And treat her the way... That, that she deserves. Because Deanna Perrazzo is a top five women's wrestler on this on on this planet right now. And she would be my favorite in the in WWE if you re-signed her. And it would really make me happy. Other than that, let's let's go to the the, the bracket here. Now I'm not gonna pull out the bracket because I, I ain't got it on my computer at the moment to be honest with you. Um all right, so the four matchups that we're doing. The first one, Roman Reigns. Well, well, pause. I already gave you one competitor, but well, before I announce the rest of it, um, to find to think of sixty-four men that deserve to be on here from the past, present, and what I would consider the future being NXT, and then ranking them, and then putting them on a bracket to where it was sort of equal was super hard to do. So some of these matchups are going to, there's going to be some matchups that are like, well, that's easy. This is an easy, uh, easy beating. Some of these matchups are like the hardest thing ever. Right. And so ultimately, if this goes, so I, in my hand right here, I'm not going to show it to you, but in my hand, I have, I'm going to show it from a distance so you can't read it. I have me filling the bracket out myself, how how I would have it go. And I want to see how close I have it. So the rules of this bracket. So the rules of this bracket, I have criteria that have been has already been posted in the Discord right here. Best male wrestler, criteria, entering ability, overall marketability, promo skills, and career achievement. That's how we're judging this, right? And so that's how I judged it. I'm not going to vote in the Discord. I will not participate in voting in the Discord. The Discord vote will only be open to everyone but me. If you're in the Discord or if you're listening, join the Discord so you can, can vote. Links in the bio or description, excuse me. And what I'm going to do is each 
so this week I'm not going to pick my winners because I don't want to influence the vote. But next week's episode will announce the four winners, do the next four uh, matchups, and then I'll pick. I'll tell you who I picked from the previous week's matchups, right? So that's that's sort of how we're going to do this. So first matchup, Roman Reigns versus Brett the Hitman Hart. That's a tough match. That's a tough matchup. It's a tough matchup. Second matchup. Macho Man Randy Savage and the Viper Randy Orton. That just was by mere happenstance that two Randys got ranked together. I'm be completely honest with you. Randy Orton versus Randy Savage. Third matchup. Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Triple H, versus Ted DiBiase, Mr. Million Dollar Man himself, Ted DiBiase, right? And then the final matchup for this week, this is probably the, the, the craziest matchup of this week. The Big Show and Rob Van Dam. That's our four matchups. Pretty decent matchups for this first week of this bracket. Um, we'll do four matchups each week until we get through this bracket. It's probably going to take us through the end of this year to get it done. If this goes the way it comes out in here, we'll, we'll have probably what should be considered the right the right winner. Um, but other than that, again, if you're listening on podcast networks, leave us a review. Give us a follow. Um, if you're on uh, YouTube watching this, like, share, subscribe. Hit the notification bell. Share this with all your friends that love wrestling. Let's grow this community. Go to slappingmeatwrestling.com to get some merchandise if that's something you guys want to do. But ultimately, what I really would beg for you is just to like, share, subscribe. Right? Uh, tell all your friends who like wrestling about this show. Let's get some listeners in here. Let's build this uh, to its max potential. Uh, thank you for watching or listening, and I will see you next Wednesday. Um, actually, I will see you Friday night um, because fast lanes this weekend, and I'm gonna have my uh, I'll have my uh, fast lane prediction episode up on Friday so that you guys can hear it before the show on Saturday, and then probably sometime Saturday night will be the review epi- uh, the re- the review of fast lane. Um, so I will see you on, on those episodes. Uh, and so, yeah, have a great rest of your, your night or day, depending on when you're listening and, uh, see you on the next episode. Brother, I'm going, if I like it's a moment.